Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, sounds good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. It's your host, James P. Friel. I am excited that you guys are here with us today. We've got a really cool guest who is going to share with you guys uh, some insights on how to grow your social media that I think is going to be super important and super helpful. And before we get to Elise, I want to welcome to the studio none other than Mr. Dean Holland. Good day to you, James. Good day. You know what I like, Dean? I like that now in the pre-show briefing, we're get, we're talking about, are you ready to ride into the studio on your horse? Right. I know. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, because I think everyone thinks that you just spontaneously ride into the studio on your horse. I think some people don't even believe it happens. I know. There there are those. I've heard those rumors. But what really happens is, you know, your horse is a professional, obviously. Of course. And you ride into the studio on cue. Yeah, we literally had to take out the doors. I'm just surprised some people thought it was just like you happened to be riding into the studio anyway. <laughs> I know, right? Just as if this isn't <laughs> carefully well thought out and orchestrated. This Jeez. is a highly, highly scripted show. Right, this is not amateur hour. No, no, certainly not. So because it's not amateur hour and we have professionals on this show, yes, I'd love to welcome to the show Elise Dharma. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. I, I found that... Uh, the intro very amusing, just being a guest even. So I'm doing great. <laughs> Good. Now, did you you did not ride into the studio on a horse? Was there a reason why? <laughs> I uh, my pony's currently at the groomer. You know, sp- spring right. spring uh, cap. So next time, me every now and then as well. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Say no more. Um, <laughs> awesome. Well, it's great to have you here with us today. Hopefully, you don't mind uh, dealing with Dean and I, but we're excited that you're here. <laughs> I'm excited too. Yeah, so I I know you do all sorts of amazing things on, you know, social media and Instagram in particular, and a lot of different things there. And I want to get into how to do that and how to grow your following and everything else like that. But I think before we get into all of that, one of the things that's always sort of a point of curiosity for me is like, where did you come from? Like, when did you feel like you caught the vision that you were going to break out on your own and do something that wasn't like a traditional? path in life? Probably when I was 18, I had spent my childhood being raised in a very conservative Mormon household. So I I had this upbringing of just sort of following the rules and living life in a predetermined box and knowing what it took to be a straight A student and knowing what it took to be a goody two shoes child and be the perfect child. So that was the first 18 years of my life. And even during that time, I always had an entrepreneurial drive. Like, I don't know, I started babysitting when I was 10 years old. You know how it is in Mormon households. You start babysitting young. Did you charge for it? I definitely did. Yeah. Especially <laughs> when my neighbors started getting in on it. So I how did you like, how did you close your first gig? Uh, 
I think my parents just told me to do it. Um, and then eventually, <laughs> once we moved to... A- so it was the classic dictatorial club. <laughs> yeah. It was like, you got to carry your weight around this family. Take care of your younger brothers. Um, but that gave me good experience to then charge the neighbors eventually, who for some reason left me with like two s- six-month-year-old uh, twins. So that was traumatizing. Right. Um, so I quickly... Got- for how long? Uh, it was a night. And I remember the twins wouldn't stop crying. I had to call my mom before I started crying to come (laughs) over and get them to calm down. So that was a bit ambitious. Um, I got out of the babysitting business world pretty quickly. I would wash cars for friends and family. And then when I was 13, I started a piano teaching business because I had been raised from four years old onwards to play piano. And my mom was a teacher. So I'd seen her do it my whole life. And that was the deal. If I reached a certain level in the Royal Conservatory of Music, I think it was grade eight, then I could start to teach beginner students. So I took a handful of students when I was 13 years old, just taught them after school. And that continued throughout high school. That was my high school job. I was able to save a fair amount of cash for a high school student. And it was the very last day of high school. I wrote my last exam. And I had booked a trip to Europe with my hard-earned piano teaching cash. And I was booked for a 30-day Kentucky trip. And my parents actually met on Kentucky in the 80s. So I was quite familiar with it. Do you guys know what Kentucky is? No, I was just about to say, Dean, if I admit my ignorance, will you judge me at not knowing what that means? Nobody wanted to ask first. I I was like, damn it, I'm going to have to do this because I can't continue to go along with the conversation, maybe pretend I know. (laughs) Fair enough. I assume everyone knows because I grew up with it, but it's a tour company for 18 to 35-year-olds started by a Kiwi guy in like the 70s in Europe just with a camper van. And then it's turned into a full-blown tour company across the world now. So you know, as a single female traveling Europe for the first time, it's a very safe way to meet people and see a lot of Europe at the same time. So that was my experience the day after finishing high school. I finished as a straight A student. And then I went on this trip and I wasn't so Mormon anymore. Um, I had started to pull back (laughs) from my Mormon beliefs in my last year of high school. But that trip was eye-opening because it was the first time in my life I could make decisions that I truly wanted to make for myself. And they were not predetermined by family, by religion, by culture. Like no one knew who I was on that trip. I could be anyone I wanted to be. And that new level of freedom was like beyond addicting. It's addicting is not even Mm -hmm. the right word. It became my drive and my motivation for all of my twenties, like 12 years onwards. But I feel, I feel like your, your drive was there from like a really long time ago though. That's true. I guess the drive had shifted to, you know, up until 18, it was like, do the things that society tells me I should do, like get straight A's, go to university, work hard. And then with that Europe trip, the drive became, how do I feel this level of freedom in my life all the time? (laughs) Like, how do I make this happen for me? And so I did go to school after that trip. I actually went to Brigham Young University in Utah. I had accepted a scholarship to the school long before I had had that travel experience. And it was tough. It was just this realization that 
the culture that I'd been raised in no longer suited or matched that new desire I had for extreme freedom. Like I was just hooked. Um, so my twenties, without getting super granular into that experience, my twenties. Can I can I inter- can I ask a question? Yes. So I hear all this stuff about like the you know wanting to be free and everything from you know and figure out your own beliefs and stuff. But I will say, for the Mormons, I don't think as a group of people I've ever met a more entrepreneurial, hardworking group of people. <laughs> like it's insane. How many like really successful entrepreneurs turn out to be Mormon? I think they have sales. Just yeah, it's like point. it's like they are created to sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what like is that because they you know they go on these missions and and do things like that? It, like is that where that comes from, or do you think it's like something else? Because obviously you had it early on too. Like because not every you know kid who has to go babysit turns it into a business. Mm-hmm. Right? Like there's something, and and I'm just sort of curious about that because it's a pattern that I've seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is something in the culture growing up, probably more for men or boys than girls. First of all, there's like, you're usually part of a big family. So you need to pull your weight, you need to contribute. So you do learn hard work, I would say on, I'm totally generalizing, you do learn hard work from a young age, chores and responsibilities. They came into our family life pretty early on. Then when it comes to your religion, I mean, you do have lessons and they're not really trainings. I don't want to say sales trainings, but you do learn growing up Mormon how to combat objections that people might have about you and your religion. So you sort of start to learn that psychology from a young age. And then I think it really solidifies for Um, mostly men who go on the two-year missions. Women can go on missions too for 18 months, I believe. But that is a cold calling job. Like day in, day out, you're knocking on doors and you're pitching people and you're dealing with their objections and you're closing some of those deals. And, you know, it's like like this two-year sales training process. And even when I was attending BYU, I saw this pretty often when a guy would come back home from his mission, he often got himself into a sales job. And a lot of companies were really popular in Utah that were like door-to-door alarm systems or selling um, like a cable system. A lot of it was based on door-to-door knocking. And um, I think you're absolutely right that having that Mormon mission in your background, it's just amazing training if you ever do go into sales. Yeah. So anyway, clearly we're all into sales on some level, mm-hmm. right? And um and what you're doing with uh you know with Instagram and social media, like you are you're selling a connection, right? You're selling a relationship or a you know way to you know kind of build that trust with with an audience, right? Totally. Yeah, that's my focus now. It's It's been a windy road to get here. But now what I really focus on is helping small business owners or online business owners connect with people in a way that's about quality versus quantity, which I, I know is a bit of a um, contrast when you're talking about Instagram, which is so heavily based on vanity metrics. But the truth is like the real connections, which may or may not turn into sales, are happening for business owners who are focusing on quality versus being insta famous. So that's why Okay, so like so so let's unpack that a little bit. So what when you say quality versus quantity. So quantity like I know on one side of the spectrum, I've seen people 
you know, who are just trying to inflate their follower numbers and everything to like all these crazy tactics to just get a bigger mm-hmm. number, which is cl- clearly all the way on the quantity side, right? But when you say mm-hmm. all the way on the quality side, like what does that mean? What does that look like? Numbers wise, it means you can have less than a thousand followers of people who actually care about your content. They're seeing it, they're engaging, they're sending you messages privately through the direct message thread. They are the ones who are your leads and your actual customers too. Mm-hmm. When people, and I see entrepreneurs do this, I get it, they want the vanity metrics, but when people buy followers or buy likes, yes, it inflates your numbers. But those likes, those followers are never going to actually contribute to the revenue in your business. So what do you care more about? Do you want to be fake popular, as my friend Sarah Christensen says, or do you want to actually make the money? I want to make the money. <laughs> so yeah, like, like I, Dean, like that's the same thing as, you know, people who go around telling people like how many hundreds of thousands or millions of people they have on their email list. Exactly. But yeah. like none of them ever open the email. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Like I, I've seen that in you know, in my, in my business, like I've got, I've got, you know, certain email lists, they're like 150,000, but I've got an email list of 1200 that makes more money revenue wise mm-hmm. than that list, you know? And I guess that's exactly what we're getting at here with the social following the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's honestly, it's, it's, um, relationship, you know, I hadn't, right? yeah. And I hadn't necessarily thought about it that way. It's such a relief to like, hear somebody say it like that because I'm like, yeah, like don't focus on just like that number with the number is meaningless. I, I think it really is. And, and some people are going for that influencer status, even being a business owner, they want to look like they have millions of followers across all their platforms. But that's really when their ego is getting involved. They're more concerned about keeping a certain look about themselves, keeping that up versus focusing on the quality type of people who are following and how they can actually, you know, take part in their programs, take part in their services. So I, this has really become clear to me in the last six months. And I'm just so passionate about it now because I see with my students time and time again, 600 followers, um, 500 followers, they book in a client and they add 2000 or $5,000 of revenue to their business from a cold lead on Instagram. Mm. It's totally possible, but you just have to have the right goal and mindset about it to get started. Okay. So let's talk about that. Just on this subject. So there was a TV show here, uh, like a one-off show in the UK, not too long ago. And it was showing like the behind the scenes of some of these like Insta famous type people that had these huge followings. And like, I think the basis of the show that it was trying to show is most of these people were actually broke. And so they had these like on the outset to the public, they had these huge mass audiences and followings and they give off the impression of like, life's amazing. But when it showed you behind the scenes, I, I think that just feeds perfectly into what you're saying. It's like not the size, it's the quality, the relationship. Yeah. Well, I think one of the other things, just before we get into like some of the details of this is, um, you know, people, the, people mistake that fame equals money mm. where they're like, Oh, like it, if you're famous, you're making a lot of money. And that's not even like remotely true. And just because you have a lot of money doesn't mean you're famous either. Like they're Mm-hmm. exclusive. And sometimes they overlap and you can leverage them. But if you're not doing the kind of things that I think you're about to talk about, like, what are you doing exactly to, to the point that, you know, Dean just made about that show he watched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I see that in the online business space too. A lot of people who are talking the most about their, their money made or whatever their numbers, their list, a lot of times they're, they could be living 
like month to month, you know, that their income is not what it actually appears to be. So I'm really trying to reach those who are sick of that, that feast and famine type of cycle, or where your ego is really caught up and you, you are super worried about what you're going to say, what you're going to post. So you don't share anything at all. Um, those people who are tired of that, I, I want to work with them because, um, just the way Instagram's going right now, people are over, they're over perfect feeds, perfect lives, perfect captions, perfect everything. Like that is, it's just not relatable. I unfollow people who are like the Kardashians, you know, keeping up appearances. I want to know the real stuff. Like, what are you actually working on all day in your business? And that's when business owners say to me, well, that's boring for people to to see or hear. I'm just sitting here all day. But I'm like, no, you are struggling with something. You are working on some problem. You're having some conversation or some idea with someone that your followers would find really interesting to listen in on. And, you know, I was at Funnel Hacking Live in 2018. That was the first time I saw an online entrepreneur of Russell Brunson status get up and say to a massive group of business owners, Hey, the most important platform for you to grow right now is Instagram. Most business owners are focusing on, I don't know, YouTube or email list or something like that. But Russell got up and said, Instagram is the most important platform for you to focus on. It is the reality TV show of your life, of your business. And he is spot on. Like the entrepreneurs who have taken that to heart and they treat Instagram, whether it's their feed, their stories, as the behind the scenes sneak peek look at their business, at their life for their followers, they are the ones making real connections, real relationships and making revenue from the app as well. Yeah, can I, can I, awesome. can I just make a confession? I probably should have done this at the start, but <laughs> I've never been on Instagram. What? Yeah. Is that weird? That's you don't incredible. have the app downloaded on your phone? No. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. All right. So no, this is perfect. This is perfect because this sets up the next part of what we need to talk about. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> like how do we am. take how do we take somebody who mm-hmm. doesn't have a lot of experience with Instagram, myself included? Like I have, you know, I don't know, like a couple thousand followers or something like that. I don't even know how they found me really. <laughs> um and uh, and I'm horrible about posting on there. And Dean has never even been on there. But we both have a lot of valuable content. <laughs> and and like, what um, am I doing here? <laughs> so yeah, she's like, oh my god, I can't believe like you guys didn't oh. warn me about this. So I'm just like, you would make an amazing case study. I'm already thinking, but go well, on. Like okay, so let's just like walk through. We're two people who probably could really benefit from what you have to say, and I think a ton of other people. Also, because everybody is focused on those numbers and that those don't necessarily translate to dollars. And so let's talk about what what you would do with guys like us and help us understand this whole quality game. Yeah. So I guess for you, the both of you, you have established businesses, you have established offers and all that stuff. I would... Yes. Dean has an established burlesque dancing business. Yeah. Um, and I think his high-end program is burlesque retreats, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> You're absolutely spot on. Amazing. Okay. Sorry. Amazing. Keep going. And you and I would presume that both of you are familiar with funnels. Is that correct? 
I would say so. In fact, the uh, said Funnel Hacking Live that you heard Russell say about Instagram is one Mr. Holland spoke at. That's right. That's right. So I think the easiest um, translation for you in regards to Instagram is thinking of Instagram as another funnel or another revenue stream in your business. So you, when Dean, when you start your account, you're going to want to position your personal brand through your profile, almost like your website, right? Like your bio is going to say, right when someone reads it, you're going to let them know who you help and what value you give them or who you help and how. So generally, when entrepreneurs are writing their bio, the first line, it should be really, really clear to the potential follower what they get out of it. Why should they follow you? Because your Instagram profile is not really about you. It is about your target follower. So let them know in the first line, you know, what you have to offer them. And, and call them out too. Like maybe you just focus on online entrepreneurs, let them know. The second line of your bio is generally what makes you unique or different. So maybe you have won certain awards. Maybe you have certain numbers that you've achieved. Maybe you have a really quirky hobby that people remember you for. What raising parakeets. <laughs> parakeets, exactly. And burlesque. So put that <laughs> in the second line because people are going to see burlesque in their life and then remember Dean Holland. Um, And then the third line of the bio is really where the funnel aspect comes in. You want to give a specific reason as to why they should click the link in your bio. Again, make it, tell them why they should care. And this is where a lot of entrepreneurs forget is like the potential follower really doesn't know them or care a whole lot about them. They're thinking what's in it for me. So that last line should really say, click this link for XYZ value. You know, it's going to be the next step in your funnel, however you grow your audience. So that's what I would suggest for an online entrepreneur. If you want, we can go into the nitty gritties of what kind of content to post. Yeah, that's, yeah, like totally. Like, okay, yeah. now he's got like all that set up. Like, yeah, what are we- one of those things. Do you like, do you talk just business? Do you po- like, do you post just business? Or do you so like, mm-hmm. I'm meeting today? I don't know. <laughs> Yes. Good question. So a lot of online entrepreneurs feel hesitant about this whole Instagram being the reality TV show because they actually don't want to show everything about their lives. They want their personal lives to actually stay personal. And I agree with that. You won't see much about my relationship on my Instagram, for example. Um, So what I recommend when you're looking at what kind of content to post, you want to choose five themes that, yes, they're about you, But more importantly, they resonate with your target follower. So Dean, for your business, who would be the ideal person to find you? Um, So let's go with like, we do a lot to do with affiliate marketing. So somebody that is perhaps struggling with getting a business started. Okay. So you're going to want to, when you look at the five themes of your content in your feed, you're going to want to figure out a theme that references your expertise, your experience in affiliate marketing, and will also speak to that target person. So it could just be literally on the nose, like an affiliate marketing tip could be one theme. And then a second theme could be like, um, I don't know what something maybe, Maybe it could be your interest of parakeets and how much time you have to take <laughs> care of parakeets because you have your affiliate marketing funnels set up. You know, so maybe parakeets is another theme that you just make the connection there to your other to the greater picture of your business. Um, another theme could be like 
you, an actual picture of you in your day-to-day life, what it takes to be you to have the business that you currently have. Another theme could be, um, I don't know if you're a video type of person. I'm on your website right now. It does look like you have a lot of videos. So maybe one other theme is video-based. Um, I keep coming back to affiliate tips, but we actually want to expand about, expand beyond affiliate marketing. We want to talk about maybe what it takes to get to your level of business. Um, a lot of entrepreneurs go down the motivational route. Uh, So when we're talking about giving value on Instagram, there's generally three ways you can do it. Motivation or inspiration is one way. Education is also a really good way. That's the second way. And then entertainment. Entertaining people is a type of value. So that's what I'd recommend. I'd have to have like a deeper discussion with you, your background, your business. But I would recommend choosing five themes that relate to you. But more importantly, they resonate with your target follower. Right. So even so, would I be right in saying, or is this just coincidence with a few things that you said there? Like even some of the stuff, like let's just say parakeets, like you still looped it back to like the business side. So like, is that is that something that you purposely do, or like because like sometimes I, I like you see people like they just take a picture of like their food that they're eating now, and it's like completely like if I did that, yeah, they, you're seeing like my what I'm doing in my real life for me as a person, but it's not relative to like my business or what we do as a business. So should everything cross over or should it be looped or do you show just like pure personal stuff that isn't about business? So people get to like see you or or connect with you as a, as a person outside of the business. Does that make sense? Definitely. You definitely want to show the real person because if they don't know you and they just see all business, you might not come across as a real person. You might not be super relatable. They might not believe you that trust factor is harder to establish. So yes, I chose parakeets as like a theme that could show up in your feed, but with this caveat of making sure that it loops back to, you know, I have this big parakeet um, farm and this really crazy parakeet hobby because I have so much time on my hands because of my affiliate marketing business. So you want to make that connection. um, If you're going to make that, visual and that type of theme part of your brand for anything else that falls outside of your themes like that the amazing breakfast you had this morning that's what instagram stories is great for instagram stories like there really isn't anything wrong that you can post there when you feel like sharing something random that's where you you share it in your stories i mean one of my most watched stories ever was me taking this device i bought from amazon it's a sweater shaver and I was just sw- shaving the lint off of my sweater. <laughs> and I just, I, I just said like, this is the most satisfying thing I've ever done. Dean, maybe you could get one of those for your face. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's completely random, has nothing to do with my business, but I guess it shows one little quirk about my personality that I found this really satisfying. And it just got so many replies, so many DMs, people wanted to know what the product was. So there is value in sharing the random stuff. That's not all business, because that's what makes you a real human and believable and trustworthy. Right. By the way, Dean, I have a name uh, for the affiliate product that you could launch once you start the parakeet thing. <laughs> right. Go on. It's called Budgie Empire. <laughs> <laughs> you may not know Elise, but they call parakeets budgies in the UK. Ah. But this no, this is this is awesome. So 
I interrupted a question you were going to ask, Tina. Yeah, I, well, you, ju- you just slightly touched on it there. So I don't know if I'm going to take things in a different direction here or like feel free to stop me, anyone. But you just mentioned about uh, like like you got the private messages or DMs. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is so this is a really like topical, interesting thing for me right now, because although I personally haven't been on Instagram, uh, my wife has a has an e-commerce business in the like makeup and beauty cosmetic space. And so, like, one of the reasons I have I, I haven't had the desire to go on Instagram is because I see how much time she spends on those things, and I'm like, it kind of puts me off a little bit. But it like it does really well for her with her audience, and so it's like a thing she does. But one of the things she's actually struggling with right now, so I'd love to hear what you'd say about this, is like the sheer volume of people that actually contact her and ask questions mm. um, that could ultimately lead to business. Mm-hmm. Like so. I would love to get any insight from you on that is like, cause I'm sure there's a ton of people listening that maybe do have reservations about kind of going all in with that side of things because of the fear that like, what if things do kind of go really well actually. And now all of a sudden I've got my whole life seems to be spent answering private messages and communicating with people on social media. And I've now got no, th- no other time to do with anything else. Cause I think one of the things I would perceive and feel free to tell me if I'm wrong, but is like when you are the person out on social media, when people are contacting you, more than likely, like they actually want to contact you. They want you to give them some information because you're the one that they're following. So like, how, how do you deal with things? That, uh, like, how do you combat that? Or what 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 do you do? Like that that to me is like a very real problem or fear. Definitely. And it's a great, great problem to have when your DMs are exploding with inquiries because those are all potential leads. So it sounds like your wife is in a position where she needs a team member because the way she delivers her product, it seems like there's a strong community and maybe the customers really have gotten used to a high level of quality of customer service. So if this is what helps turn the, turn the cranks in her business then I think she needs to invest in that customer service aspect of her business and have a team member, if she doesn't already, manning the DMs to be able to reply back. And for an e-commerce business, um, there is less of this expectation that the founder is going to be the one responding. They just need to get an answer to their shipping question or their sizing question. Um, When you are a personal brand, for me, for example... I have a team member who it's part of her weekly and daily tasks to check out my DMs and help answer any unanswered questions about the program. Sometimes students message me. Um, That's part of her role is to go in and, and answer those questions because I do not want to ignore people. I do not want to tell them like, just email me. I don't check my DMs because there's so much business that happens in the DMs. Like the Mm. other day I shared a, new blog post about a case study. So we're doing a lot of case studies to hammer home the point that you don't need more than a thousand followers. We did a case study. The end of the, the uh, At the end of it, there was a call to action to one of my new packages where we basically do your Instagram strategy for you. And one of my Instagram followers like swiped up on that story she read the case study. She s- saw the CTA at the bottom. She DM'd me for the special offer. I sent her the link to book it. It was a private link. And when I woke up the next day, she had booked it overnight. Um, so, you know, that was a, a package worth several thousand dollars. So had I ignored that DM or had I not shared in my stories, that that sell probably wouldn't have happened. So, yeah, definitely. I, 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 that's, that's, that's what we're kind of seeing. That's why, that's why I 
wanted to ask the question is like a lot of business is being done that way, but she's just reaching that tipping point, I guess. And, th- mm-hmm. and that's kind of uh, where she's at right now. And she's got this fear that like, well, if I'm not the one answering them, will that like stop all these sales? But yeah, I think that's interesting what you said. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think, no, but I'm glad you brought that up too, Dean, because that's like a big concern of mine because I don't want to be. Well, I don't think you have to worry, James, because you're just a horrible person. Well, that's true. That is true. So granted. So for somebody who wasn't, but in the same position as me, (laughs) right. And they got like tons of messages and stuff like that. I think on one hand, it's like, great. Like I want to have all those conversations, but you know, it doesn't really scale and you can't keep up with it. Yeah. And it's, it's it's totally valid to be thinking about this because you both have audiences already in place. Like if you're adding Instagram into your your plan of, of funnels and revenue streams. When you add a new revenue stream into any business, you know, there are new systems, there are new processes, there are team members that come into place so that you don't have to work more to manage that new revenue stream, right? Yeah. Can we can we talk about that for just a minute? So you said you'd have somebody, you know, kind of manning the DMs. Mm-hmm. What like what other is that the only role that you need to bring on or is there other types? Uh, no, I have team members who help me with content sourcing, and that's more so on the agency side. So my agency actually serves e-commerce brands, so we will run their accounts for them. So I have several contractors there who help me out on that sense. Um, Do they help you with your own content? Like if we were just looking at this, like as, as Dean and I, not you know doing this for mm-hmm. other people, like would we need a content person like that too, or or are we expected to create the content based on your? businesses and where they're at right now, if you have someone on your team who's already content focused, whether that's your blogs or repurposing your podcast episodes, I would be inclined to have a team member run that content. Um, Because I don't think you guys are, you know, prepared to be in, in the Instagram app for two hours every day or looking at tools and programs to create content. Um, I, I would recommend to have a team member really own that aspect of your business, including Instagram. For example, like these podcast episodes that you're putting out there, there are free tools that you can use to upload the audio and you can export out a visual post with an image um, specifically for Instagram. So people can hear a little 60 second teaser of the podcast and then your link in the bio leads them to your website where they can listen to it in full. Um, and so those those that type of role, which is really um, taking one piece of content and turning it into 10 more pieces, that's probably something that I would have one of your team members really own. Right, right. Dean, this is turning into a very good class for us. <laughs> yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah, definitely. Like I say, the, the cool thing for me as well there was is because this is the stuff my wife's going through right now. And I was like, yes, I can talk about this a little mm-hmm. bit. <laughs> and and you could build, rebuild the parakeet or the budgie empire. I'm kind of liking what we crossed over earlier, like burlesque parakeets. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see this Instagram account. I see my Instagram like blowing up. I mean, that. you're, yeah. you're going to stand out so much. It's going to be so unique. I, I actually think it would be a hit. So let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah go for it. I'd, <laughs> the Dean Holland Instagram makeover. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Um, all right. Well, this is this has been awesome. Um, Elise, is there anything um anything that people can do like, you know, like do you have any sort of you know tips or strategies they could they could download or anything like that to kind of learn more? 
Yes, I do. I've, um, I publish a lot of free content over my blog, which is elisedharma.com. And that's where we mostly focus on Instagram strategy, strategy tips for business owners. And then I have a 60 minute masterclass that was just released like recently. It's, it's new as of 2019, um, that you can watch to learn like what is actually working for entrepreneurs in today's day and age. I started on Instagram in 2013. It's very, very different now. It's harder to grow. So in the class, I give strategies on how you can still grow, but focus on that quality over quantity. And so that's at elisedharma.com too. Awesome. Super cool. Well, um, I appreciate everything you shared with us. Um, yeah. Dean, any parting thoughts or questions or anything? Yeah, no, I'm jumping onto that masterclass later on tonight. So uh, no, thank you so much. It's been awesome. I feel uh, this is definitely one of those shows where I, I probably still have a million and one questions. And yeah, we'll we'll have to invite you back another time. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to see your Instagram profile launch. And when it does, <laughs> send me a DM, send me the link and I'd love to take, it, take a look at it. Yeah, we'll do. We'll Make do. it happen, Dean. I want to see the parakeet burlesque situation exactly. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely thank you awesome so much for sharing it's been awesome thank you. thank you thank you for having me yeah thanks Elise. it's been great having you um for you guys who want to find out more about what she's up to make sure you head over to elisedharma.com and thank you to all our subscribers we appreciate you guys we're coming up to a hundred episodes soon um thank you guys for hanging in there with us we uh we'll talk to you guys next time later Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to get free from the day-to-day operations of your business while making more money, visit me at jamespfreel.com forward slash autopilot. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.